0: We have come through four different articles earlier, and I'm not going to go over them all again. But we're getting to the the part here where we're starting to get into the meat of our theology. As we go, we've we've left a theology of speaking of of, of not only the inspiration of Scripture, but also of of the Godhead, and and we're going further in. And now we are talking about my state and your state and how we are saved. We are saved by faith. Now, this word justification, there are three powerful things that we've got to get tonight. Justification, regeneration, and new birth. These are three principles that you've got to understand that helps you follow the the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, Romans three twenty four again, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Then the second, uh, then verse twenty eight says this. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Now, what what I want to focus here is on this word justification. The simplicity of it is this. Jesus justifies you or declares you guiltless or freedom from your sin. That means that all the sin you've ever done or ever committed, everything that you've ever done in your life, you've been declared free, declared guiltless of those sins. That, that That is a powerful phrase. So when Paul says being justified freely by his grace, Paul is saying that you have been, it's a free gift. You've been declared guiltless by the grace of God through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, through the payment for your sin. That old song, Jesus paid it all. He paid for all of your sin, and we are declared guiltless by God. Jesus Christ it's not because of works that you've done it's not because of works that I've done it's because Jesus paid all of our sin amen that that that's the beauty of this we we have to get back to this that that we don't look at ourselves as as people that are looking on our own accord or doing our own will or doing our own th- uh, way to earn our own salvation we don't earn it Jesus gave Gives it freely by his grace. So we are justified, Paul says in verse 28 of Romans 3 we are justified by faith. And I told you by means of faith that means your faith is is critical for your justification is critical before you're declared guiltless. You've got to believe in Jesus. You got to believe in the blood of Jesus. You got to believe that he's going to do it. You got to trust in that blood and you've got to act on that blood. You've got to do those things once you've repented, which we've already talked about. Once you've done those things, now you've got to live it for God for jesus you know there's a powerful understanding of this i've told you time and time again but the old testament tells us about the mercy of god because of the sacrifice of the lamb and all these things but the new testament tells us about the grace of god by the empty tune that empowers us to live righteous and holy we are called to live holy We are called to live righteous. We are called to do these things. It it is our purpose. And many times where you have people failing over and over and over is they're stuck in a mercy theology. They're, they're, They're saying, I can live any way I want to live or do anything I want to do because God is rich in mercy. Well, yes, he is. But you're not to take advantage of that mercy. You're to live in the grace of God. You're to live in the power of God. You're, li- you're to live under the uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that as you grow in Christ, the less you've got to depend on the mercy of God and the more you depend on the grace of God. There, it, it's an important distinction because I hear this over and over and over and over again, and it, it, it frustrates me because I want to see people delivered. I want to see people walking in freedom. But you can't be walking in freedom if if all you're going to do is is consensi- consistently, always look to the mercy of God. You got to have the grace of God. Now let me let me let me tell you this. Let me give you this example. Children learn this process by riding a bicycle. And so when they're down the street riding a bicycle and they're, they're going down the road, when, when I was a boy, we, I had training wheels. And we put these training wheels on the back of my bicycle. And I rode all up and down our road. I rode all over my neighborhood that my, I was allowed to dr- ride in. And I rode everywhere. Well, the training wheels are the mercy of God. It's you're riding along here. And if you didn't have the mercy of God, you, poof, you just fall out. You never get anywhere. The mercy of God keeps you built up, but as you grow and as you get stronger in your faith, you develop. And back to our bicycle analogy, you develop your own inner balance. And so, I, as a boy, one day, one of my, I had depended so much on the left training wheel. I think it was that I wore it out and it fell off. And I was driving along with one training wheel, and so I knew that if I was in trouble, I'd lean this way. But but I learned balance wise. How to balance my bike, and the best thing that ever happened to me is my I left training wheel falling off. That I didn't have that. I didn't have to worry. And if I got in trouble, I just went that way. I kind of looked dumb, but hey, it worked, and it got me riding my bike and doing good. Well, eventually, grace is this way. You see, grace is your balance in that mindset. When you're riding along, grace empowers you to not have to keep going back to the mercy of God because you're living holy through. The Spirit of God living through you and walking in the grace of God. You're consistently going along in the power of God. And, you know, I, I mean, you don't have to keep running back to the altar and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I meant, I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. You did it because you were enticed by your, your own lust and your heart. That's what the Bible says in James. just get real with God and just say, Listen, God, I know I'm pathetic. I know I'm a sinner. Can you? clean me up and get me going down the right road one more time and that 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 mercy of God says yes if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what 1 John tells us. So we have that promise in scripture that he's going to do that and so as you get stronger, as you get more mature in the Lord you begin to trust less in mercy and more in grace consistently on a regular basis to the point where you are spiritually mature as paul says you're not feasting on the milk you're partaking of the meat and you're getting further and stronger and being wiser and more powerful in the blood of jesus christ and so so that's what justification does it it, it under we have this concept i am now no longer responsible for my sin that i committed Look at Psalm 103, 12. The Bible says, as far as the East is from the West, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. So we Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the East is from the West, as we there, as we understand this passage and as we understand what, what Jesus is telling us and through the book of Psalms, we are, we, we, as I've said it before. You can go north and eventually you'll start going south. But if you go east, you'll never go west. And so when the the Bible is telling us as far as the east is from the west, he has thrown our transgressions away from us. He is telling us that you will never, ever, ever meet your sin again. That's the best news you ever hear. You will never ever meet as far as the east is from the west. You will never encounter them. He has removed our transgressions from us. He has taken them away from us. He has put them onto the other side. So then Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 says, In whom, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. It is the blood of Jesus that gives us redemption, that gives us freedom. That's the blood of Jesus that washes our sin away. It's the blood of Jesus that, that forgives us. So we trust in the blood to take care of our redemption. Redemption in the sense of this, that we owed a debt we could not pay, and Jesus paid it for us. Verse John 2:12 says, "I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His namesake." Verse John 2:12. "I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His namesake." This, this is important. He's telling us as Christians, he's writing to us to tell us that we are forgiven. Now, as I've been trying to explain it to you and trying to teach you and preach to you what the forgiveness is talking about, you see, he says, your sins are forgiven. Why? For his namesake. See that? Your sins are forgiven are forgiven for his name's sake. So that means that I am forgiven and God has written his name on me. My, your name, I mean your, over your soul, the Bible says that you've got to have the seal of God upon your forehead. We should talk more about that again. Because what he does is that when you, When you are born again and you are set free, he writes Jesus over you. And as writing Jesus over you, you are saved today, not because you're great and not because you deserve it, but his name is on you. That's powerful. His name is on you. And for his name's sake, he's not going to let you He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you go down this road. There are so many people that they get so, they're, they're so scared to death to, to lose their salvation. Tell, let me tell you something. You don't lose your salvation like you lose your keys. You walk away from it. You know, you don't walk around. You're not, you don't wake up one morning and you say, Oh, man, I don't know where my salvation went. You don't lose your salvation. You walk away from God. You say, Lord, I want to go this way. And you start walking that way. And he says, I don't want you to go that way. And you you say, yes, I am. And he says, all right. He said, but if you, my hand is still here. My love is still here. My grace is still here. But I will not force myself on you. And I'm going to let you walk down this road. And when you are walking in rebellion, you are in danger of losing your soul. And you need to be careful. And you need to be mindful. And you need to learn this because I don't know if you would die in that state. It's up to God. But you're in danger of hell when you walk down that road. When you're walking down. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews how much more trouble you're going to be in in hell there are different levels in hell if you didn't realize that and and the bible tells us in the book of hebrews that there are and basically it says if you knew the blood of jesus and you walked away from it and you trampled under the blood of christ you're going to wish you were never born is what the bible said that's powerful so that tells you that you can walk away but jesus said why would you ever want to do that why would you ever want to walk away from the Lord? But he says, your, name, your sins are forgiven for his namesake. That means that until the moment, and this is where I'm big on getting our children in the altar and getting our children to seek the Lord and getting our children to cry out to, the, to Christ. Because if they in their little hearts trust God, and some people say, well, that doesn't mean anything. Well, Jesus himself that told us that we better not prevent the children from coming to him. Because if we stop the children from coming to the altar and getting them in the altar and getting their little hearts to trust in the Lord, you are preventing them from converting and being born again, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. And if you stop that born again experience as a child, all you're going to do is create havoc and headache for yourself later. And when you get him into the altar now, they're on their little soul, Jesus writes his name on it. And that means, yes, they may walk, they may walk away as they grow older, but he's going to go after them he's going to be like a lion going after him. So if that little girl of yours gets down in the altar and she gets saved when, when she walks away when she's 15 guess who's going to be hot on her trail? The one whose name was written on her forehead when she was five and she didn't realize it he's going to pursue her until the last moment of the last hour of the last day until she finally breathes her last. He will pursue Sue her for his name's sake. So we got to, the quickest you can get them to believe in Jesus, that's what you need to get them. Don't let them, don't this. This thing of just letting them grow up and listen—we've tried that; it doesn't work. Go back to getting them in the church. Go back to getting them in the altar. Go back to getting them learning about God. Because when they they may stray when they're a little bit older, but they will come back to it. That's what the Bible has promised us, because He's going to pursue them. He's going after them, and so we we have that that precious peace because He tells us that. You are forgiven for his namesake, who he's come in. So in book of Luke tells us in verse eight, chapter 18, verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners unjust, adulterers or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. and a tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is a beautiful description of what what Jesus is trying to explain to us. So when you have a these two men, one is a Pharisee that is, that is the epitome of supposed holiness in those days. And one is a tax collector that is the epitome of a cheat and an outcast in society in those days. So he is saying, he is saying in, in an essence, the one that you think has got it all together, and is walking around with religious religiosity and making and letting everybody know how great they are, he says, "I don't hear him. Don't hear the prayer." But this guy over here that you rode off, that you think is vile, and he walks into the place to pray, and he won't even look to heaven because he knows he's not even worthy to be in his presence. And he says, Lord, be merciful to me. Jesus said, this guy didn't hear it. This guy, he just got saved. He walked away justified, Jesus says. He went out of the temple justified, meaning one of them that one said that, I, Lord, I'm not worthy at all. we got to continue to maintain our humility before the Lord. I mean, you can be coming to church every time the doors open up. You can be giving of your tithes. You can be fasting. You can be doing all the things that you need to be doing. There's nothing wrong with what the Pharisee was doing. It was his heart that was the problem. It was his heart. He was excited because he was doing something. And, and, and Jesus is letting us know what you're doing is not the priority. Your heart is the priority. If your heart is humble and you're doing these things, let me tell you, you're going to be a champion for God. Well, you're not when you don't know, when you don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. If you're not trying to take credit for everything, if you're not trying to be number one, if you're not trying to let everybody know how holy you are, but you're just doing it quietly, living before God, recognizing without God's grace, you wouldn't even be here anyway. So we've got to learn a justification. We gotta have that faith. In the blood of Jesus Christ. We've got to have faith in the blood of Jesus that justifies us from all these things. That justifies us from our sin, declares us guiltless. We have no fear, nothing to worry about. We have Jesus living through us. Then the next thing we have is regeneration. Now, regeneration is one of those unusual things in nature. You get a little starfish, cut his uh, star thing off, whatever they call that. grows back. You know what I'm thinking about? It grows back. Take an earthworm, cut it in half, grows weird. Regenerates. Don't try that on your own person because your fingers don't regenerate. You cut the tip of your finger off, you don't get another one. You won. And so when you, when you we, God, for whatever reason, I don't understand why God didn't do that. It would make sense to allow our fingers to regenerate. But there are parts of you that does, like your lungs, your liver. There are certain things in your body that does regenerate. And there are certain things that don't. But the thing, the process is though, is that what was what has been removed grows again. Your spiritual soul, what what we're going to talk about here before we go into Scripture, is that your soul has been cut off from God and you, you no longer have communication with Him. This is why the world doesn't understand what we get in church. Because the part of them that would receive Him and experience Him has been cut off. It's been removed. So they don't understand when you're standing in church and you're worshiping and their eyes and you're just weeping and you're you're crying and they look at you like what are you doing? I don't feel anything because their soul has still dead. Still they don't feel it. They will never feel it. They 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 have not been regenerated. All right? Now we also have this concept of the new birth. Bible tells us that you've got to be born again. Nicodemus in the book of John chapter 3 he had this concept. He said, "I don't understand this. Why why do you why do we have to be born again?" John chapter 3 verse 7 says, "Do not marvel that I say to you you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes." So everyone who is born of the Spirit. So you must be born again. You've got to follow the Lord. You've got to listen to His voice. You, you've got to be born again. That's the priority. You've got to do it. But people, but Nicodemus is saying, well, how can I enter into my mother's womb? And, 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 and Jesus is saying, no, hold on. That's not it. Your soul, your spirit, It's got to be born again. And so he says, Jesus explains this to him. He says, you've got the wind, it blows wherever it wants to go. It It just goes. He says, the wind, it blows through an area, and you can see the effect of the wind. But you can't see the wind. You can feel the wind. You can stand out there. If we would have had a hurricane with that last storm, you wouldn't have been able to see the wind coming, but you would see the effect of it, I guarantee it. I remember one time I was living up north, and we had this, they called it a a particular term, but they called it a land hurricane. And the wind was coming down a wall of it, about 80 to 90 to almost 100 miles an hour, just going a wall of wind. Just swept across the United States, and uh, listen, we were not ready for it up there like we are down here because that's not a normal thing. And so when that wind hit, I mean we, people were out of power for weeks at a time because that it just knocked down everything. Well, when we were there, I remember looking on looking uh, I was standing on my deck at my house, and as I was watching it, I literally saw I saw what coming, but I didn't see the wind. I saw things being picked up and being carried. I saw my neighbor. I lived in the valley, and my neighbor up on the top of the on the hill. I saw his grill get picked up and just carried, and then all of a sudden I heard it slam into my house. And I thought, "Whoa, this isn't normal." And you know, I got back inside, but when I saw that grill lift off the ground, I was like, "I'm getting inside here." So well, as soon as I shut the door, uh, that wind just slammed through here slam there and I mean it just you could just see the effect go down through the valley I looked out the other side of the house and watched it just go but I didn't see the wind I saw the effects of the wind you see born again is that you don't see you don't look different I mean you're you're you still look like you you get up in the morning and you still look as bad as you did when you woke up the day before Or is good. However, if you're optimistic or pessimistic. You get up, you're still on the outside you. But inside, something's changed. There are effects. There are things that have changed because you've been born again. You've been changed. In a moment, you've been changed. Now, regeneration helps us understand this. Because it tells us that now what was once dead has come alive, and now you're going to see the impact of this. There's this, there's this, this powerful truth here. Now, if anybody of y'all do any pickling? You know what I'm talking about? Pickle. You take a cucumber, you put it in, what is it, vinegar? Something. And then you pull it out. It's not a cucumber anymore, is it? It's a pickle. We've got to change the name. Because it's no longer a cucumber. Here's something you got to understand: when it's talking about there, there, the, the, there's a. Pro, I don't have time to get into the depth of the theology here, but the the process here is saying you were in the world and you were a pickle. I mean, you're a cucumber. You're in a pickle. You you were a cucumber. You were baptized. And that's what the Bible is saying, using the concept here of baptizo. You are baptized into Jesus. And when you come out, you are no longer a cucumber. You're a pickle. That's what it's the imagery is there. This, sorry. But that's what's going on. And so, but, but this, is, this is, in all seriousness though, This is where people get false theology because, listen, I don't care how much you try to do it. You can't ever get a pickle to be a cucumber again. So some people think, well, because I got saved, I don't don't, don't have to ever worry about losing my salvation. No, 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 no. That's not the case. You see, what happens, though, is that you've been changed. And your inside is not what it used to be. It's no longer the same. It's the, the process is happening, and now the Spirit of God talks to you, and you talk to God, and there's a, there's a change there. But you still got to live holy and righteous before a living God. You've been changed. You, you've been pickled, I guess. And now you can't go back. You can't go back. I mean, you know too much now. Your your life is no longer the same. You've experienced grace. You've experienced mercy. You've experienced love. You can't undo that. You can't go back and be vile. You can't go back and do those things because God has changed you. Now listen carefully. And this is why the Bible tells us if you turn from God, you're going to wish you've never been born. You hearing me? That's why the writer of Hebrews says, if you turn away from God in this state, in this place, in this moment, after you've experienced the blood of Jesus, after you've been chained, after you, all those things, and you and you walk away from the Lord, your 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 life, your 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 eternity without God will be torturous. It's scary, isn't it? This is why we should remain humble before God. This is why we should stay with the Lord. This is why we should walk humbly before a holy God and not take advantage of what the, uh, of the grace and the mercy of God. You can read over and over. Uh, Paul was telling them, this does not give you a license to sin. Just because you're saved does not mean you can live and be and do any old thing you want to do. You've got to live for God. you got to walk again. And you've got to live for Him. You see, Hebrews, I don't have this up here, Brother Tracy. Hebrews chapter 6. I keep walking around it. I'm just going to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. I didn't make it up; it's in there. You hear me? You don't play with God. You don't play with the Lord. You don't walk in 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 this in this idea. And, and you can go. We could read on about this, but there there is a that when you are born again you've been changed you don't go Back to the way you were. This is why you've got to make a certain, do you want to live in a way of the world? Do you want to continue in the ways of the world? Do you want to stay in that path? Do you want to walk in those things? If you want to, and do that, because listen, God has got, because when you come to this altar and you receive Jesus Christ, it's just not a get out of hell free card. It's not just something you take advantage of or buying fire insurance or something like that. It's a change. It's a relationship it's a complete different idea you're born again you've been regenerated you're you're a new creation in christ all things have passed away and all things have become new you are a new person in christ jesus we got to get back to what the word of god says that's what the bible says all i am doing is quoting scripture All I am doing is telling you what the Word of God says. This is our process. This is our lives. This is who we are. When you've been born again, it is not to be taken advantage of. It's not to be spoken of lightly. Look at Romans 6, verse 1. Oh, I'm running out of time. It's 8 o'clock. Romans 6. I'm going to read this quickly because it's powerful. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? That's what I'm talking about, baptizo. You've been changed is what Paul is saying. You were a cucumber, now you're a pickle. Don't you get that? That's what he's saying. Therefore, we were buried with him. My old nature's in the ground. It's gone. We were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You got to embrace your spirituality, embrace your born againness, embrace your regeneration, and become what God has called you to be. He's made you again. You're completely different. Our old man has been crucified that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You see, once you're born again and people say, well, I'm keep, I'm, I'm still bound to sin. It's in your own mind that you're bound to sin. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is still powerful enough to break every chain, to break every bondage, to break everything off of you. It does not have to stay because you're changed now. And you got to believe that, and it will happen over you. It will change your life because the blood of Jesus is still powerful enough to completely and totally alter who you are. Mm. For For he who has died has been freed from sin. Not just a little, all of it. Sin has no more sway over you. Verse 7 of of Romans 6-7. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me read one more here. Ephesians 2, verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, raised, raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, I'm going to read one more. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's a good one to end on, Sister Nina. So when we... Understand that we don't go, we were once living as the world, talking like the world, acting like the world. We were once that, but now He's changed us. Now He's regenerated us. Now we are born again. And it's, you don't have to live in bondage anymore you don't have to live under the under the works of the devil anymore there's freedom in jesus christ there's freedom he's given it all he paid it all it's all gone every bit of it it's gone when i am telling you i've told you this before yes you got to receive forgiveness yes you got to embrace the forgiveness that that, that's what the cross says but it doesn't end there. Because forgiveness, through forgiveness you get mercy. But, but through repenting and turning you get grace. And grace is what empowers you to go on. Grace is what gives you strength to go forward. When you are a new creation, you are living with the Holy Spirit. And walking in the grace and the mercy of God. As, as Paul tells us, says that we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You're an heir in Christ Jesus. You belong to the Lord. You're his. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan. That you have an inheritance on the other side. You have an inheritance on the other side. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.